0: chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Grab it and follow along. That way you'll know that what I say is from God's word and not my word. Glad that you're here. I know some of you are here because you love church and you come every time the doors open. I know some of you were dragged here, and that's okay too. Like that, I don't, that guy that was dragged down the United, you know, flight aisle. Some, that's exactly how some of you, you know, uh, got here. I've been dragged to church in my life, too. Uh, the secret that once to get here, though, the secret to enjoying it, actually, is just to take part. Uh, you, you may have been dragged here, but you can still choose to um, open yourself to the experience. You can choose to sing. You can choose to listen, not just to my voice, but to listen and see if God himself won't speak to you. I mean, that's kind of the secret. It's just to take part. And be here and, and truly be here uh, now that you're here, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Actually, I think in some ways everything's got a secret to it, that there may be a secret to everything in life. They said, uh, I heard this week on the news, that the, the secret to tying your shoes so that it won't come untied is that, you know, when you are making the loop, you go around an extra time before you pull it tight. Yeah, if you go around one extra time, scientists say your shoelace will not come untied. So there's a secret to that. The old ladies uh, at church say that the secret to perfect fried chicken is buttermilk. Who said buttermilk? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The the old lady on the third pew. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Buttermilk. What do you do with buttermilk? Y'all know? You soak the raw meat in buttermilk. That sounds like the beginning of a great meal, doesn't it? Right there. Yeah. Buttermilk is the key to perfect fried chicken. They say the key to perfect mashed potatoes. Y'all know this? Dry potatoes, in other words, you boil the potatoes, it doesn't have to be completely dry. You dry the potatoes. You have warm milk and cold butter. Dry potatoes, warm milk, cold butter, perfect mashed potatoes every single time, right? Middle school boys say the secret to attracting middle school girls, Axe body spray. Lots and lots, (laughs) lots of Axe body spray everywhere. That's the secret in middle school. The country people say that the secret to raising a great vegetable garden is you plant on Good Friday. How many got your garden in the ground on Good Friday? Yeah, and good luck eating this summer, people. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly what they say. The secret to garden is, is to plant on Good Friday. Uh, hip-hop uh, dancers say that the secret to hip-hop dance is just to really listen to the music. Yeah, I've seen some of you dance. Your problem is not the, the music, but probably not not necessarily the music. Uh, if everything in life actually has a secret like that, that means that in this life, there are a lot of things that we're never gonna know, a lot of secrets we'll never learn, and therefore, a lot of things we'll never master, we will never experience. If everything has its own secret, then, then there's just a lot of things you and I will never, ever, ever be able to do. But But what if... What if everything in life had just one secret? What if the life that you absolutely dream about only required that you know one thing? I'm here to tell you that that is the truth. That the life that you dream about really only requires that you know one thing. Only it's not a thing, it's a person And that person is Jesus. That's why we're here. And this is what Paul is talking about. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young man named Timothy. Actually, he wrote several letters. And that's why 1 Timothy is the first letter that he writes. And it's found, what I'm going to read is found in chapter 3, verse 16. One single verse. Paul is writing to, to young Timothy. And this is what he says. This is amazing. This is our Easter verse today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. All right, let me say that again because it's very important. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, announced to the nations, believed in throughout the world, and taken to heaven in glory. Now, I said secret. I said that Christ is the secret to everything. Paul uses the word mystery. The great mystery of godliness, the great mystery of our religion, the great mystery of our faith is Christ. That's what Paul says here in in this letter. Now, that word mystery, when you hear the word mystery, what do you think of? Like, Like law and order. You know, like like a TV show or a book, something like that. Some sort of unsolvable or, or, or very puzzling crime, something like that. A book where uh, somebody gets killed or there's a robbery and you don't know who done it. And so you read the entire mysterious book. You read the mystery, trying to get to the end to find out what it is that, that's hidden from you in the beginning. Mystery usually has to do with something that's hidden that is later revealed. And this is what Paul is talking about. Our faith depends upon a, a mystery. It's what I call a secret. I would call it an an open secret. In other words, it used to be hidden. It used to be something that we didn't know. And honestly, it's something that we can't know. You can't know it unless it's revealed. We would never ever think our way or imagine our way to what God has done for us in Christ. This is why Paul calls it a mystery. Even though we know it, and even though it's been revealed to us, we'll never completely understand this. So Paul says, the great mystery of our faith, the great mystery of godliness is is Christ. It's not a fact. It's not a thing. It's a person. It's Christ. So when you look at what Christ has done, when you look at the life and death and resurrection of Christ, you can see what God has done for us. Paul calls it a mystery. I call it the secret of everything. It starts right here. Look at this. Christ revealed in a human body, Revealed in a human body. Christ was revealed in a human body. Most of you know that about Jesus, that he was a a man. He was a teacher. He was a Jewish man who was born in a stable, if you know the Christmas story. He was born of a virgin Mary, and he grew up. So he was an ordinary baby, an ordinary little boy, and he became an ordinary man. He was fully human, as human as I am, as human as you are, flesh and bone. You understand that? Christ was revealed to us in human body as a human person, flesh and bone. He was revealed to us, as a person he was a teacher and he walked and he talked and he preached he made friends he made enemies and ultimately his enemies had him killed they they crucified him which was a means of public execution in the Roman empire they literally nailed him to a cross and let him die there he was killed and since he was a human person a human being flesh and blood like you and me then understand dead was dead He didn't just appear to be dead. He wasn't just sort of feeling a little faint in that moment. No, he was dead. As dead as 4 o'clock, dead as anybody who's at the Woodburn Cemetery. I mean, he was dead as dead can be dead. So Christ was revealed to us in a human body. Christ came to us as as a person. But here's the mystery. Here's the amazing thing. He was God, you all. Jesus was no ordinary person. He was fully human. Make no mistake, fully human, but also at the same time, fully God. How is that? I don't know. It's a mystery. That's why Paul calls it a mystery. I can't explain that to you. I can't explain how God, maker of heaven and earth, creator of everything that you can possibly see or know or read about. I mean, he's God, but somehow he left heaven. He left eternity and he came down to be one of us, to be with us. God himself in the flesh revealed to us in a human body. How is that? I have no idea. That's a mystery. It's a secret. You couldn't even really know that unless God were to reveal that to us. He was human. Christ was human, but no ordinary human. I mean, some people say that Jesus was a good teacher and he lives us a good example of how to live our lives. And that's true, but that's not all Jesus is. That's not all Jesus was. Do you understand that? He's not just a good teacher. Jesus didn't just claim to be a good teacher. Jesus claimed to be the son of God. Do you remember that? I mean, Jesus himself said the words in John 3, 16, when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus is talking about himself there. A good teacher doesn't claim to be the son of God. I mean, that's not necessarily good teaching. That's an audacious claim to be God's son. On other occasions, Jesus claimed the authority to forgive sin. Now, who can forgive sin but God? Nobody. I'm telling you, a good teacher doesn't have the authority to pronounce you right with God. That's not something that an ordinary human being can do. But Jesus claimed that authority. He claimed to be God's son. He claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. Not only that, he once said, if you destroy this temple, meaning his body, you destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. He claimed to have... Power over death. You you destroy this temple, this body, and and I'll rebuild it in three days. I'll come back. He claimed power over death. Now, now I'm telling you, that's not necessarily good teaching. Either he's telling the truth or he's crazy. Do you understand? I mean, crazy people claim to be God's son. Crazy people would say, I'm going to come back from the dead. That that's either the gospel truth or it's insanity, So, Pastor Tim, how am I supposed to know the difference? How am I supposed to believe that this man who lived in history is actually the Son of God? How am I supposed to believe that? Well, keep reading. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit. Now, what's it mean to be vindicated? It means to be proven right. It means to be proven and proven right. So the scripture says that Jesus was revealed in a human body, but vindicated by the spirit. So when you say, how am I supposed to believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Well, this is what I'm telling you. He was vindicated by the spirit at the resurrection. Remember when Jesus said, you destroyed this temple, I'll build it back in three days. He was saying he had power over death. Well, he's proved to have that power when he did exactly what he said he would do. He came back from the dead, you all. He was dead. He didn't just look dead. He wasn't just feeling a little bit faint. He died. He was dead. Deadder than anybody that's ever died. He was dead. And he came back. He brought himself back. "That's, That's power over death. He's vindicated by the resurrection. Y'all ever watch Antiques Roadshow? I, does anybody watch that on purpose? You don't watch it on purpose. The, the thing is, you're just sort of looking through the channels and you go through the PBS stations. And if the Gaithers aren't on it or Big Bird's not on it, it's Antiques Roadshow. So nobody's watching Antiques Roadshow on purpose. But, but then you land on it and you just get sort of pulled in because how does it work? What's Antiques Roadshow about? Anybody watch it? What happens? What happens, Judy? Sometimes they show things that, like, um, when I watched it, they show, like, old clocks. Or yeah. Old, um, trucks. old clocks, old trucks, toys, whatever people have around the house. around the house, garage, old cars. Yeah. Things that are really yeah. interesting. Just old interesting things, toys, dishes, husbands, they just bring them in. And the experts will tell you what it's worth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one day on anything, I, I, if you follow this sermon on the live event on, uh, on, on the Version uh, Bible app, take a look at the, the clip. I put the clip so you don't think I make this stuff up. This This lady brought a greasy plate out of her kitchen. A a greasy plate from her kitchen. She collected plates. And Antiques Roadshow, it is a roadshow, they travel. And they were coming to her, I think she was from Peoria, Illinois. They're coming through Peoria. And so she wanted to go, be on Antiques Roadshow, but she didn't have anything. So she took one of her plates out of her plate collection. It was a plate that had been over her stove, like, for years. She bought it in 1970 and paid next to nothing for it. And it was ugly, y'all. It was just a a big oval plate that was was real dark, almost black, and it had just this white face kind of, kind of just like a kid would draw eyes and a nose, like a, you know, just like a smiley face. You know, that was it. It was nothing. She bought it for next to nothing, but she thought her kids and grandkids would enjoy the smiley face, and they did. And they ate, you know, in front of it, and she cooked right under it. And so this plate all these years had hung over her stove. It was covered with grease and dust and dirt. I mean, your kitchens aren't like this, but this lady's kitchen, you know, was was just kind of a kitchen. So she brought that greasy plate on Antiques Roadshow, and when she laid it on the table, people started losing their minds. You need to go watch it. Y'all know what she had? That plate was by Picasso. Picasso one of the greatest artists that ever lived and worked. He didn't do a whole lot of plates, y'all. It's from the Madura collection. He did some plates, just a few plates. And Mama had one of her plates hanging over her stove covered in bacon grease. <laughs> So they appraised it on the spot. Apparently these days the Picasso market is actually increasing. But, but Mamaw's plate that she paid next to nothing for up in Rhode Island or wherever, her plate is now worth over $15,000 and the value it is rising. They recommended she not put it back up over her, her, her stove. You see, the, the true worth of the plate was vindicated by the expert. You wouldn't know what that plate was worth. You wouldn't know, you see, but, but, but its worth was vindicated by those who knew what they were looking at. So when the scripture says Jesus was vindicated by the spirit, it's acknowledging the fact that you wouldn't know this. If you just looked at Jesus, you, you might not know that he's God in the flesh because he looked like nobody. I mean, he looked like nobody special. You wouldn't know this by looking. And when Jesus says he had power over death, you wouldn't necessarily know Know that unless somehow that was vindicated. When Jesus says that He is God's only begotten Son, you wouldn't necessarily know that unless somehow that was vindicated. And this is what the Scripture says: it's vindicated by the resurrection. It's at the resurrection when you understand that no ordinary human being dies and then comes back. That doesn't happen. That must be the Son of God. You understand, when this man says he has the authority to forgive sins, you don't know whether he has that authority or not until he comes walking out of the tomb at you, and then you begin to understand this must be the Son of God. He's vindicated by the resurrection, and that's why Easter matters so much. That's why Easter is the most important day on a Christian's calendar. Understand, I live for this day. Christmas is good, but Easter is my holiday. Easter is the day that I stake my life on because what we celebrate today is not the bunny, it's not the eggs. It is the risen Christ. He went into the grave and he came out. Nobody else does this. It's never happened before and it hasn't happened again since. But guess what? This is a good news because he came back from the dead because he has power over the grave because he has everlasting life. He can give me everlasting life. Do you know this? And that means that tomorrow, absolutely, tomorrow when I stand in this spot and I preach the funeral of Tina King, when I preach her funeral tomorrow, I can do that with hope. I know that I will see Tina again. I don't think I will. I don't hope I will. I know I will. Because Tina King knew the Lord. She knew Jesus. And she put her faith in Jesus. And, and I know Jesus and I believe in Jesus. And Jesus promises that whosoever believes will have everlasting life. That means Tina has everlasting life. And when I die, I will live again as well. And Tina's with the Lord and I'm going to be with the Lord. That means that I will see Tina again. Do you understand? I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for Easter. Now, I don't I don't know what I would do. I would not be standing here. I certainly would not be a preacher. I'm telling you, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we don't have anything to worship anything to celebrate. We have nothing to live for. Jesus is our life because he lives. Do you understand that? Do you see that? Christ revealed in a human body, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels and announced to the nations. He's preached to the nations now. I mean, this is what I do for a living. But understand, when Paul says preach to the nations, we're not just talking about preachers here. We all preach. If you know Jesus, if you've met Jesus, if you have actually encountered the living Jesus, not not the picture in your grandma's Bible or not somebody else's Jesus, but when you know him, when you've met him, when he has changed your life, that's not going to be a secret anymore. I know sometimes it's a little bit awkward to talk about religion in public. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a person. Religion is a set of rules and rituals, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a living being, God in the flesh, who's changed my life. not religion. And for that reason, it's hard not to talk about him. And it should be hard for you, too, if you know him. I mean, I know it's awkward sometimes. I know it's awkward, but still— If you know Jesus, he's changed your life, that means you're going to be different. You walk different, you talk different, and people are going to notice the difference. You're not going to be like everybody else. And sometimes people are going to ask you, what is it that makes you so different? What is it that gives you strength in the midst of your storm? What is it that gives you this kind of peace in the midst of so much trouble? What is it that puts a smile on your face? What is it that makes you so patient, so kind, so loving, so gentle? What is it that draws you to worship on Sunday after Sunday? What is it about you, they'll ask? And what are you going to say? It's because you take your multivitamin? Because you eat bran? I mean, what do you think makes a difference in your life? If it's not Jesus, then I'm not sure you know it. And if you're ashamed to say his name, if you think you need to keep that a secret, then you're missing the point of the gospel. Revealed in a human body, vindicated by the spirit, seen by angels and preached to the nations. We do that with our lives. Announce to the nations and then believe throughout the world. So that's the next part. All these other things are things that Jesus himself has done or his followers will do. But then it comes down to you. I mean, this passage that Paul writes here, you're supposed to be in it. Because when it gets down to he was believed in throughout the world, well, that's your part. You need to believe in him. Now, that's a choice you make. It's a response that you make after hearing the message, the, the, the secret of our faith, the, the, the open secret, the, the, the mystery of, of God being flesh. I mean, once you know that, you've heard that, then, then you're going to make a decision as to whether or not you believe it. Do you believe it? And when I ask, do you believe it? I don't mean do you agree, because a lot of people agree. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think what that preacher said was true. I think what's in the Bible is true. But we're not talking about just in your head, just sort of acknowledging that it's true. We're not talking about believing in your head. We're talking about believing with your life. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We're talking about believing with your life. Do do you believe because to believe like this means that you understand and you now accept that that Jesus is the the secret of, of power and purpose in your life. I'm not talking about your church life. I'm talking about your life life, that Jesus becomes the source of power and purpose in your life. Can you say that? Do you believe that? Because this is what believing in him means. It means that Jesus becomes the secret of of your life. He becomes the source of everything. He is the one that makes everything else make sense. He is your source of power. He is the secret of everything. He's the secret of your marriage, Because Jesus and Jesus alone is able to show you how to love. He is the secret to loving yourself. He is the secret to loving your friends. He is the secret to loving your enemies. He's the secret to facing your future without fear. He's the secret to facing your past without regret, without guilt. He is the secret to your personal sense of peace. He's the secret to your sense of contentment and and happiness. He is the secret to getting through hard times. He's the secret to managing money, whether you have it or whether you don't. He is the secret to why it is that you always end up dating losers. And he is the secret as to why it is that you so often feel like you are the loser. He is the secret of Everything. He is the secret to overcoming all of your hurts and all of your habits and all of your hangups. He is the secret to getting out of this pit that you have dug yourself in and you continue to dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. He is the secret answer to your anger. He is the answer to your frustration. He is the answer to your boredom. He's the answer to your depression, to your loneliness. His name is Jesus. He is the secret of everything. Revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, announced to the nations, believed in throughout the world, taken up into glory. Will you believe? Because if you will believe, it changes everything. It's the secret of everything. You have to believe in who he is, the son of God, and you have to believe in what he has done, died, and and, and risen from the grave. You you, you believe that, and then you have to believe that he has the authority to command your life, to to save your life, to give you life. I'm, I'm asking you to believe Jesus. He's the great mystery of our faith. He's the secret to everything. I mean, if everything in life had its own secret, you'd spend your whole life trying to learn all of the secrets to everything and and there'd be so many things you'd never know, so many things you'd never experience, you'd fail ultimately. But what if there was only one secret to everything? As if the life that you dream of, the life that you desire, only required that you know one thing, This is what I'm telling you. The life that you dream of, the life that you desire, only requires that you know one thing. But it's not a thing. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Will you believe? Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Let me talk to you for a second. The God who loves you, the, the God that we've come to worship today, the God who longs to save you through Jesus, doesn't ask anything of you other than that you believe in him. As I said, it's not just believing in your head. It's, it's believing with your life. It's being willing, starting today, to begin following after him. That means you will begin to listen and, and, and do the things that you know that God wants you to do. It means turning away from the things in your life that you know are destroying you. It means giving over to Jesus your marriage, your loneliness, your hurts, your hang-ups. It means giving to Jesus your anger, your depression, your loneliness. It just means giving your life to him. You must understand that this God who came in the flesh, he died for you. He died to save you. The, the life that he has given you is now the life that, that you can have if you will only reach out and take it. But it's, it's a matter of believing, and then it's a matter of receiving it as a gift. Will you? I'm asking you to receive his life as a gift to you today. Those of us who know Jesus and, and who have learned to follow him, we started on a day just like today, and we started pretty much the way you're starting now. We, we started with, with a prayer, because how else would you start? We just started by talking to God, because he lives and because he listens. So. So you can start with a prayer right now. I'm not telling you there's a magic prayer because there's not. There's no set words that you would say. This is just your heart opening up to the the God who's been knocking on your heart's door all of your your life. It's it's just opening the door. It's just saying, dear God, I I believe in you. I I believe that that Jesus is your son. I, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And and I believe that you are able to take my life and make it to be what it's meant to be. I mean, just pray words. Ask him to be the source of power and purpose in your life. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask to forgive your sins. Just just begin talking to him. Surrender to him. It's just the start of something that you're going to do for the rest of your life. Learning to know him, learning to hear his voice, learning to follow him. Asking you to start today a new life as a believer. Will you believe? Lord Jesus, on this day of all days, teach every unbelieving heart in this house to believe. Lord, sometimes some of us have listened to the Easter story like it was a made-up story, like it was a fairy tale about a a ghost who comes back, Lord. But this is no fairy tale. This is no made-up church story, Lord. This is the message of life. Lord, I pray that today this message will become words of life to those in this house who are still walking in death. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to work on the hearts of those, Lord, who've let their hearts grow hard. Lord, those who did not come into this house today to make a life-changing decision, Lord, I pray that you will yet make this the day in which they come to know you, but become your son, your daughter. They come to know that Jesus is real and alive, and they walk out of this house today a new person because of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your death for us. We thank you for the way you save us. We thank you that you and you alone are able to make sense out of the nonsense of our lives. Help us, Lord, today to hear the message, to believe the message, to allow you, oh Jesus, to come into our empty hearts and give us life. We pray these things in the name of the Savior. Amen. We stand together. Let's sing.